This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. The point or the theme was integrity, keeping your word. And during this holiday season, sometimes people miss the point of Jesus Christ coming. And today we're going to focus on a very specific scripture regarding God's integrity, how he kept his word. And because God kept his word, that's all we need. That when God sent Jesus Christ, if you realize the complexity of his coming, the opposition of him coming, fulfilling all the prophecies that were made about him, you realize it was a miracle. We looked over the last couple of weeks at a different individual's response to Christ's coming. We looked at Mary's prophetic response to Jesus Christ's coming. How she was in awe at his majesty. How he, in a sense, exalted the humble. And because he exalted the humble, we realize his ways are so different than ours. We don't understand how God works. And because we don't understand how he works, we have to trust him. But the fact that he sent Jesus Christ and the fact that he prophesied it from the very beginning of the scriptures should give us courage and encouragement. In hope that God will keep his word about this thing, he can keep his word about anything. We went from there to Zacharias, how he had received a promise from Gabriel. And because he at first didn't believe how it could happen, he was muzzled. He, his mouth was shut. But when John came and when he was birthed and the name was given to John, he was free and then freely prophesied regarding how God bestows his peace on those who have entered this covetness, coveted, I messed up that last week too, covetant with him. And because we're in covenant with God, we can have rest. And it's an easy thing to do, but the problem is life doesn't seem to make it so easy. If God kept his word about Jesus, then why don't we trust he'll keep his word about every single thing else that he said? And that's our challenge. Assessing God's relevancy in our lives, assessing God's credibility to his word. Remember back in the garden of Adam and Eve were not one who trusted God. They doubted God's word. And we wonder, well, why would they doubt God's integrity from the very beginning? That was the subtlety of Satan. He made them distrust God's character. And once you distrust God's character, it's not God that is shady. 
It's us. Something happens with our character when we begin to doubt God. It's an assessment of us, not him. And that's the challenge most people have when storms come and when challenges come. We have to know that God is absolutely just. And when our thoughts aren't in alignment with that, we have to make a change, not God. He's proved himself by sending Jesus Christ. He proved himself again by sending Jesus Christ to the cross. And he proved himself again when Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. And now on this side of the cross, we have one responsibility. Trust Jesus. Trust his words. Well, uh, we're in fear and all this week. Uh, Next Sunday is what day? Christmas Eve. And we have a service on Christmas Eve, but it starts at what time? Four o'clock. So we will not have a service in the morning. We will have one at four o'clock. So bring your family and friends because maybe they're not in a church at that particular time, but come on out and worship with us, worship with us. Uh, four o'clock next week. Also, we have a special event coming out on New Year's Day. For those who haven't heard, it's called the Progressive Meal. Has anyone ever been a part of a Progressive Meal before? Yes, a Progressive Meal is how we will, as a church body, go from house to house eating their food. So I hope you are prepared to not only eat, but to go into people's homes and get their house dirty. There's a couple of new houses we're going to visit. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Honestly, last year, there was a, it was a great service. I think our church actually turned the corner at that service. So um, I remember last year, as it was ending, we were like, hey, let's do this every week. And we're like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that every week. People won't want their homes destroyed. Like, this one just was destroyed. Uh, and we also got sick, so um, make sure you keep your viruses away. <laughs> and that's me included. Uh, if I'm sick, I'll, I'll stay home. Uh, but hopefully no one will be sick. Uh, we'll go out, have a good time, love on each other, and eat some good food. Uh, let's pray and let's get started. Father God, thank you for the brief time I have. I pray, Lord God, we hear your voice. Thank you for the choir who sang so beautifully, Lord God. Bless their lives for the diligence to practice and practice and prepare and perform for your glory. We pray for those people today, Lord God, who are sick, who are shut in, Lord God, who are struggling this morning, Father. We ask you to help them, encourage them, and build them up, Lord God. We pray, Father God, for your body whole, that your entire body, Lord God, will be edified this morning, hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I got a quote by an individual named A.W. Pink. It said, happy the soul that has been awed by the view of God's majesty. And I have a difficult time, once again, communicating the emotion when we talk about things of God. I, I said before, I just try to be as honest as possible. I may have a small emotional IQ. That's not good for leadership. But thankfully, I'm not called to be a leader. I'm called to be a pastor. And my job is to listen to God and obey him. And nevertheless, when I point to God, my job is to try to communicate all of God that I can. But how can I make you feel a certain way about God? I can't. I can't, I can't evoke emotion. Now, I can get up here and maybe shout and stomp, and then you could respond to my emotion, but are you really responding to God? Because God is revealed. 
God isn't this intellectual information that you have to decipher and put together. It's knowledge that has to be revealed. The knowledge is there. It just has to be uncovered. And unless God gives you the insight to that information, you won't know God. You'll be reading your Bible day after day, but without God revealing his truth, you won't be able to understand deeply the things of God. This month, we've been talking about two particular points. Do you fear God or are you in awe of him? And if you're afraid of God, then this sense of judgment is something that still rests within your soul that you have to work out. You have to love God deeper in order to free yourself from fear. But to be in all of God is to understand how powerful and awesome he really is, but to still have some emotional attachment to him, to reverence him, to venerate him, to assess him based upon how much he is worth. How much is God worth? Many times people say, you know what? I can't put a price on it. So we say it's what? Priceless. How many people have things in their lives that are priceless? Raise your hand. Awesome. If you had to make a list right now of the top three most important things in your life, what would they be? Just think about it right quick. What would number one be? Two, three, what do you think, Augustus? Four. Oh, today, I have a couple of things that may be deemed valuable. So, I'm a Batman fan. And I don't lie, I'm genuinely a Batman fan. I've loved Batman forever. Back in 1985, at that time I was 10 years old, a Batman comic book series came out called The Dark Knight. I know this. And I was fortunate enough to get one of them when I was young. And I had this comic book. It was stuck on, this is a a literal comic book. It's a version, it's the first series, which means it's valuable. It's worth a lot of money. Now this in mint condition probably is $800. This book right here. However, we had a dog. And the dog's name was Roxy. And for whatever reason, the comic book happened to fall off the wall. And Roxy, young Cocker Spaniel dog that she was, came in and saw something on the floor that had never been there before. And I guess Roxy surmised that must be food. And Roxy began to gnaw at the corner of my Dark Knight comic book. At one time, this would have been worth, I said, $800. Now, it's probably worth $3. The value dropped once it was damaged. The good thing about God is, he can never be damaged, nor will his value ever drop. I have a Another thing that I would say is pretty valuable. Back in, what year is this? 1999, we were in the Meadowlands playing the Giants. And it was like the fourth or fifth game I was starting. And I remember being out there on the field like, yes, I'm playing. And I remember the crowd, they didn't know me, but you know, in New York, they just, they cuss out everybody. They were cussing me out. And I was like, I was like, yes, bring it on. Cuss me out. Hate me. I'm the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eating it up. 
And I remember during one particular play, the, inner, the ball came over the course, the, it went through the middle of the field. Uh, Eddie McDaniels tipped it. Then Jimmy Hitchcock tipped it as well. And I jumped in the air, dove, and caught it out of midair, fell down, picked up and started running toward the end zone, and got crushed. <laughs> Getting crushed is not the point. The point is after the game. I was given a ball, and it said, my first NFL interception. How much do you think this is worth? To you, you may be like, well, 1995, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and I can say, well, man, to me, it's, it's, it's priceless, but it, it, it has a value. But that value only goes so far. And God's value is limitless. I have a, a couple other things. I couldn't bring my wife here because um, she's with the kids, but she was supposed to stand here next. Um, she wouldn't let me borrow her ring, um, so I might drop it. So I just had some pictures, like, of memories. I'm not going to, I see the little thing, so I'm not going to hit you now. But these are, like, memories of, of a baby, right? That's a, a baby in the womb. That's, that's Titus. This is Donique and I's first, first baby together. And I remember this picture right here. This was uh, the first time my entire family on my wife's side got together and took a family picture. These are, these are memories. These are precious. And I remember, this is Jeremiah. You're, you'll see him next week. Uh, I gave him the first mohawk he ever had. Uh, it, it was cut home. He was cut off as soon as he went home by his mother. But nevertheless, I have the, the record of giving him his first mohawk, which now he wears regularly. Uh, uh, these are memories. Um, these, are, these are moments that are, that are in the past. And, and they're gone. But I still hold on them tightly like roller coaster handlebars. And they make me feel good thinking about these, these times and how much I cared about the people who are in these pictures. But, but God is eternal. And every experience you have with him will be eternal. You'll never lose it. L last precious thing. Now... I wish I was a better man, a stronger man, a wiser man. I wish I was a better pastor. <laughs> I don't know. But this is the one that kind of, I hate to say it, but it's, it's near and dear to me. It's, um, it's me. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> oh, me, oh, me. I've been thinking about me for about 42 years, man. <laughs> I love to say there are other stuff, but I'm just being honest, right? Like, man, this dude right here, I've been thinking about him. I love him. I love him. You know, we've been through ups and downs. We've, we've been through good times and bads. He's disappointed me, but we've hung in there together. <laughs> uh, but but that, could, that could easily be you as well, right? I mean, what's the most important thing in your life? And the, the point is, God is what's most important. And even though we use the term priceless, that's not necessarily a biblical term. The term we use for something without, in a sense, limit regarding its worth is God. And that, that, the term we use is called glory. Glory is an is a interesting word. Because in the Old Testament, the word was called what? Shekinah. God had a, it was his manifest glory. 
It's like when a handsome man or a beautiful woman or an attractive Range Rover comes down the street and you look and you see that and you're like, and, and, and it has a glory that, that impacts you, a beauty that it's, it's alone and nobody else has that, that beauty. But that's not the type of glory that's referenced here. The Greek word is doxa. And it's representative majesty of, of bigness. And that when we glorify God, we, we, we make his name bigger. It's hard for us to do that. But basically, we're just trying to give God more attention. How do you do that? Through obedience. Through faithfulness. Through through trust, through going through storms and not letting go of your confidence in him. But in today's scripture, we're, we're going to look at Luke. You probably can't see it. Chapter 2 is verse 14. Somehow it's lost right here. But in your Bible, if you turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, we see the angels of God saying this one phrase. They're talking to the shepherd. They're, they're, they're saying this phrase to a unique audience. But remember, we talked about how Mary responded. Now, we talked about Zacharias' response. Now, let's look how the angels respond at Jesus Christ coming. They respond in a much different way. They respond saying, glory to God in the highest. And this word glory here is in a sense, a very, very high estimation of a thing. It has a price. That's the problem. We say priceless in a sense we're being lazy. God has a value. It's just the most valuable thing that exists. If I had to set my wife here in front of you and I'd say, how much is she worth? Some people would say, oh, she's worth a million, two million, I don't know. I'd say the world, right? But there is a price we all have. Jesus Christ paid that price for our lives. There was a price for our lives. Jesus Christ paid the price. There is a value to our life. It's a quantitative value. Now, we don't know that number, but God does. But we understand it took Jesus Christ's blood to purchase us. God has a value. And it doesn't sound right saying that. But you have to understand, there's nothing in all of creation that's worth God's value. And when it comes to God's value, there's only one thing we can say about God's value. Glory. Glory is God's value. He's worth the most. How much is he worth? He's worth your best. He's worth your sacrifice. He's worth your time, your talent, your treasures. He's worth sometimes you being humbled for. He's worth your life. He's worth your family. He's worth everything. But God does have a value. He's put it out there. We can't articulate it, but the only thing we can say about his value is glory. He's glorious. And we think about God, there is no number we can come up with. This is the only word we can say. Glory to God. Now, why did the angels subscribe this value to God? Why did they give him this value? Because he kept his word. 
He sent Jesus. Jesus came. Don't you know the angels, go back to Daniel chapter 9 and 10, you see how the angels were like, when is this going to happen, God? They were asking regarding the revelation of this judgment that was coming on the planet. The angels didn't even know God's plan. They've been watching since the very beginning how God has interacted with humanity. They were able to witness humanity's fall and Jesus Christ coming. And when Jesus Christ came, they were like, glory, glory to God. They were probably shook how many times they saw seemingly the house of David cut off the earth. But all of a sudden, this young woman who came from the house of the day, David was able to, in a sense, help these prophecies to be fulfilled. How many times did the Jewish people almost face eradication, but God kept them and kept his word? But what's interesting is Jesus Christ had just come. At this point, he is helpless. This is the most helpless he is right now. He's a babe in a manger. And we know what the manger is, a feeding trough. The manger was the place that every sacrificial lamb was born and placed into. Every sacrificial lamb that was born in Israel was placed in this very feeding trough, this manger. The angels understood they, they prophesied he is going to take away, save the people from their sins. Now, this is before anything even happened. Jesus is in a manger and his life is at stake. Remember, Herod had information that he would come and then in a sense began to send his troops out to eradicate little boys born between the ages of zero to two years old, hopefully killing this Messiah. Jesus Christ is, in a sense, in a home of Joseph and Mary, and they're not skilled in military tactics. They're not the punisher. They are weak. They're not soldiers. They don't have armies. They're kids, basically. Mary is 11, 12, 13. Joseph is, what, 16? They're little kids. And how can they deceive, trick, outwit Satan? Jesus, at this point, is most helpless. But the angels are saying, what? Glory to God. These angels have confidence that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. These are the angels that did not fall. These are the ones who saw Satan fall. And the other one-third of the angels rebel against God. These are the angels that stayed and steadfast, trusting God would keep his word. That God would do what he said he was going to do. That God was a good God. And now when Jesus first comes, he's in this little feeding trough. And they're saying glory to God. He has the ultimate worth. God is good. Glory to God in the highest here means in heaven. And there's a contrast between God getting glory in heaven and then with here and on earth. Peace. And we talked about this word before. Shalom. It means completeness. This is one of the most radical words in the Bible. Shalom just doesn't mean you're not in war. Shalom means this. That hey, I'm doing good in life. I got all my bills. I went through financial peace. I got rid of all my debt. Jared's happy. We're giving testimonies. We're feeling good, right? I have all my bills paid for. I have no more need. But you know what? 
I got this comic book here. And Anthony, he's not only never read this Batman comic book, he needs money. Shalom means I will give him my excess so that he could have peace too. Shalom is a radical word that most people kind of leave there saying, oh, it means peace. Oh, it means completeness within a community. Completeness with your relatives, your neighbors. It's, in a sense, representative of what the kingdom of God is based upon. Shalom. Shalom toward who? And this is really interesting here. If you go to the Greek, everybody has the Bible hub. You look up this verse. Goodwill toward men is, is not necessarily what it's saying. It's actually saying peace toward those men who please God. <laughs> You're like, well, how do you get out of that? It, it, this is one of those things you say, yeah, yeah read the Greek. It, but really, you have to read the Greek. Because here the translated New Testament in the New, Te- in the New Kings Version New King James Version, interpreted like this. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it gives you the sense that he's saying everybody should have peace. But that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying peace toward those who please God, who have faith, who are in covenant. Really unique. Let's jump into a couple of points and we're done for the day. Point one, Christ's birth positively affected both heaven and those people he was pleased with on earth. Jesus Christ has made a change in all of history. If I have to talk about my mistakes in the past, many of you would be highly disappointed. I was not a good person in any way, shape, or form. I was selfish. And most people don't understand, every single time you're selfish, you're hurting other people. Did you know that? Selfish acts hurt people in community. Every time you're selfish, somebody else is paying the price for your selfishness. We as creatures who are born in God's image were not designed to be selfish. Satan is the epitome of selfishness. And we're made in God's image, not his. And God is the ultimate, in a sense, image of what benevolence really is. God has been giving his best from the very beginning. And he has offered us this great and awesome opportunity. Have the life I have for eternity. All you have to do is trust. And he's been giving you opportunities your entire life to receive this life. But the challenge is what? Once we get this life, it's making this life work in our lives. It's constantly surrendering to God. It's constantly putting his will above ours. And we find doing it God's way is hard. Because it's almost like he didn't want us to do what we want to do. And that's the point. God is surrendering his will for the salvation of others. Now, you sound like you say, well, how is God surrendering his will? He has sacrificed Jesus. Now, yes, that was his will, but it was the way and the only way we could be saved. So he, in a sense, Jesus humbled himself, came down to earth, and took on the form of a servant like us. Jesus Christ learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus Christ surrendered his will so that we could be saved. Christ's birth has affected our lives. He's affected what's going on in heaven, and he's still constantly affecting what's going on here on earth. Every day somebody dies because of Jesus Christ, they have access into heaven, which they did not have access in 
before. Remember, when you were born on this earth, the Bible calls us children of wrath. That's a scary term. We are born to be judged. People don't like that. They don't think about original sin. But that's why Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. Because sin has a consequence. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. He, he took the consequence of our sin on the cross. God's wrath was exhausted on Jesus Christ for us, for those people who have placed their confidence in him. And now we have access into his presence for eternity. Jesus Christ coming is a seminal event in all of history. It's the one event that has changed everything. I remember when I was growing up, when I used to look at a, um, a timeline in school, they had this phrase, B.C. and A.D. Some of you all don't even know what that is because they change it now. Because now what does it say? It says B.C.E. before common era, right? And what does it say now? Common era and A.D. after common era. It's, it, the times have changed. History used to all center on the coming of Jesus Christ before Christ and after Christ. But now those dates have changed. History now is trying to be taken away from God's hand, but we know God is the one who is in control of all of history. And one day history will end when Jesus Christ comes back. Just be prepared. Trust that Christ's birth has positively influenced all of reality. The Bible says in Romans, the creation itself groans, waiting expectantly for the redemption of the sons of man. Don't you understand? All of creation will be radically changed once Christ comes back. This is such a valuable point. I remember being little and reading books on the stars and I was so scared of one term and one term above all else, a black hole. Oh, a black hole scared me because light couldn't run away from a black hole. Gravity. I said, well, God, if you're in control of all things, what about black holes? And I began to realize sin affected all of creation. And when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be no more black holes Yes. My greatest fear will be gone. Even though I did like the movie Interstellar, but that's a different subject nevertheless. So why do we need to do this? So that we can live a life that pleases God. And this is all what we want. To please God. You say, Pastor Badge, you always say that. Quit saying please God. Like that's what this whole thing's about. Can you say today, Sometime during this past week that you've pleased God. Can you say, I made God smile this week? You say, hey, yeah, okay, this is what I did. And usually when you talk about pleasing God, it's some sacrifice you made, right? I'll ask you this question. Was the sacrifice worth it? Was it worth it? Every sacrifice we made for God is worth it. Why? Because he is of the utmost worth. We get God in us as the reward for our faithfulness. Sometimes you may feel alone. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel alone. 
I feel like I'm the only one in the world who's faced the problems I have. No one else understands the problems I'm going through. It's just me, myself, and I. And I'm so alone. I try to communicate. I try to reach out, and no one's there for me. It's just me. And then I start feeling bad for myself until you hear that still small voice, and God says, Hello. I'm here with you, even until the end of the age. Like, you're not alone. Like, God is right there with you. How close he's inside of you. God is in you, y'all. He's living inside of you. You will never be alone again. Every struggle you face, he's right there. You'll never be by yourself again. But I ask you this question. Do you know his voice? Do you know he's there? When he talks, can you hear him? Can you respond? Are you spending time with him? My hope is yes, that you are. Because you're going to be with him forever. If the angels gave God praise... Because of Christ's birth, then shouldn't you as well? The angels had no doubt that God is worthy of glory because of Jesus Christ coming. Jesus Christ still had to go to the cross. He still had to be faithful until the very end. But before all that even happened, they gave God praise at the beginning of the story. Sometimes you have to realize you right now are like those angels. Right now, you haven't fully experienced redemption. You haven't been able to see God fully as you once will see him. But are you confident like the angels that God is worthy of glory now? Right now, when things may not be going the way you want them, right now, is God worthy of glory? Right now, when the Bills may be short, when the Vikings may lose, when the Packers may win, oh no, is God worthy of glory? When times are tough, is he worthy of glory? Now, I'm not saying to shout to make the things work out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying right now, do you have confidence in God that the things will work out the way God wants them to work out? And it will be for your greater good. Right now, at this moment, Jesus was most vulnerable, but yet the angels of God were most confident. How confident were they? They said, God is worthy of glory now. If God kept his word from the beginning of human history till now, then I'm not worried right now that Jesus Christ isn't going to make it to the cross. If God was able to keep his word from the beginning of human history until Jesus Christ coming, Until Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, are you worried that Jesus Christ, that God will keep his word for you and your life? This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, just head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Your hearts desire. Live.